Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Nathan Zagura wrapping things up for the first week of training camp here live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea. I am fieldside, and right now my view of the field currently obstructed here on Cleveland Browns Daily because I've got Gibbe and Big Drew in front of me. They are trying to get us on the video stream. Once again, Gibbe was efforting this all night last night, a yeoman's now, effort. We the appreciate good news it. Is I believe the audio is back on the stream. So we think the audio's out there. I'm sure I'll get a text from, from the official Nana who will say yes or no, yay or nay, and then. You got your credit card? You want to pay 900 bucks to upgrade here? No, no, Gibbe. And then oh. now Gibbe's working on the video stream because, look, we know this is an important time of the year. We're trying to deal with that. Yeah, now, there are things that have been out of our control, things out of our hands that we've been focusing on. But right now, what we could tell you is we're working on that. I wish you could see this, just the effort, the, the, the blood, the sweat, the tears that are being poured into attempting to get this camera to work. And now Drew's saying, Gibbe, step aside and let a real professional in here and let me try to do some things. And so that's what's happening. Uh, with the Browns will have more of a ramped up practice today. This will be kind of like an OTA period. In fact, we will see some offense against defense today. Get yesterday, we will oh, just in the boy. seven on sevens on seven on in the team periods. It'll be very much quarter speed. And then tomorrow will be very much like a regular practice, the first one of the year. And then we know first padded practice next Tuesday here at the cross country mortgage campus. Uh, a little bit of news for the Browns. Number one. Anthony Schwartz left practice yesterday with an injury. He was out here during the walkthrough with a wrap on his knee. I'm told it is not considered to be a serious injury, and so hopefully Schwartz will be able to get back out on the practice field quickly because, as we said, he's an important part of, I believe, what the Browns want to do offensively, and his progress is going to be critical. If the Browns want to keep this roster as it is today without having to make any additions in the wide receiver room, I think Anthony Schwartz's development is critical, so it looks like they may have dodged a bullet there, so that's good that it's not considered to be incredibly serious. Uh, no decision today on the John Watson, the Associated Press, letting us know that perhaps it could come sometime next week. Actually, who knows when is really kind of the thinking, but it will not be today, which means obviously Judge Sue Robinson knows that people are waiting for this decision and said, hey, you will wait longer. What's that? What movie is it? <laughs> what movie is it when he's like, I think it's got to be like Ace Ventura. In my mind, it's Ace Ventura says this. If I'm not back in five minutes, just wait longer. That's what Sue Robbins is saying. If I don't have my decision today, what a great, just wait longer. You the movie lines. Yeah, from a very continue to be from a specific period of time. Yeah, it's impressive. Thank you, I appreciate that I very gotcha. much. Normally, look at getting the field set up here. Isn't that a? Uh, I believe that's a young, a young luminary. Is it? I believe so. Getting out here, earning his keep. You love to see that. It's, it's good. A, yeah, everybody's getting involved. Teach them young. That's right. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. That's right. Give Drew them some pride. That's right, Drew. Drew knows it. That's right. So yesterday, again, big takeaways. Everything was on air uh, yesterday in the training camp for the Browns. But as we said, it looked good. It should. It should look good. It looked good on air, as it should. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones had a couple of nice grabs on some beautiful balls from Deshaun Watson. Another one down the sideline to Demetric Felton really stood out. So that was uh, it was good to see from an offensive standpoint. Defense, they're working on air, so it's very difficult under, to ascertain what they're doing. But the offense, it should look flawless on air. And I would say yesterday, it did look flawless. So that, that was very good there. Coming up on today's show, this is a big one. Gibbe is really just getting it done. 
1.30, Kevin Stefanski live at the podium. 1.45, Kevin Stefanski live on this show. And so we are going to take great notes, copious notes, to make sure that we do not repeat any of the questions so that it is all new content for you. And we'll try to dive into some things with Kevin Stefanski. Now, Gibbe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm noticing something on these uprights that maybe it was there the other days, but I don't know that I've seen it actually on the, the goalpost stanchion itself, the pad. Have you noticed that pad? Noticing it right now, and I noticed it on DPJ's shirt the other day, or earlier today. Oh, baby. That's right. The running elf is right there huh. on those goalpost pads. It's on the be. training camp sign. Where else are we going to see it? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm excited, quite frankly, about the possibilities. Very excited about the possibilities there. So you guys will get to see that when you come out here to the Cross Country Mortgage Campus for training camp. Today, as we said, day three will resemble more closely one of the OTA periods, which is a good thing for the Browns as we continue to ramp up in this acclimation period. Uh, As I mentioned, not only do we have Kevin Stefanski, Live, we will have Joe Woods, the defensive coordinator from the podium. We've got an exclusive one-on-one with Nick Harris, the Browns' starting center. I think you guys are going to enjoy that one quite a bit. And then at 2.30, Omar Ruiz, who has been in Cleveland all week covering the team. We will get him live on set as well. So it's an absolutely loaded show here, Gibbe, and I'm excited about it. I know that you are. And really, we got two hours here to have a lot of fun people, give them some information about the Browns football team. But so far through two days, the only really news is that with Anthony Schwartz. But again, the team feels like it is avoided a significant injury there. And then beyond that, it's the Deshaun Watson situation where we still, the wait goes on. And you know what? I'd reached a breaking point, and now I'm off the break. Drew did it. Has Drew done it? Are we up, baby? I don't know, but I'm about to take out digital let's go configure. we could be live oh, it on says configure we could be getting not live. there yet not there yet all right game off no 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 wayne's it's world fine. game on game off there you go give give thinks that maybe we're back on uh i want to talk for a second and i realize this is in our 115 segment but at this point like let's just talk about it because i think it's really a fascinating thing that's fine because there was nothing really yesterday no what happened with kyler murray <laughs> so the Kyler Murray situation, he signs this big extension, huge news. Everybody's happy about it. Wonderful. Didn't get as much guaranteed money as, as, you know, Deshaun. What did that mean for the quarterback market? And then it comes out that there was a clause in the contract that basically would nullify the guarantees in the contract if he did not take his film seriously, stud, his film study seriously. And if he did not, if he did not, you know, if he was distracted while he was doing it, if he had the TV on while he was watching film, if he had was playing video games, if he's a big gamer while he was watching film. So that's in the contract that his agent and he agreed to, and they signed. Now that clause then became public. And once the clause became public, it became a problem. People are saying, well, wait a second. Why would you make this guy your fantasy, your franchise quarterback? Why would you give him this huge extension if you feel like on some level he is not doing what he needs to do to be a full-time franchise quarterback? He is not putting in the work to do it. And so that becomes, in my mind, that's wild, right? That And we heard yesterday, remember he heads to the podium yesterday and he says this is disrespectful. It's almost a joke that there is this stipulation this. Now, Kyler Murray, again, signed this contract. Did it, it, asks, it begs the question, did his agent know what was going on? 
Yes. Did his agent tell Kyler Murray that this clause was in the contract? I don't know. I would imagine Kyler's not reading this contract line by line by line. However, what has happened now, he was obviously pissed off. Then the Arizona Cardinals, late yesterday, the Arizona Cardinals delete that clause from the contract. They say, nope, you know what? This has caused a lot of problems. Nobody's happy about it. Let's just work. We're deleting it, and let's all just pretend like this never happened. So clearly the Arizona Cardinals felt that Kyler Murray's study habits, as they were prior to the signing of that contract, were not up to par with what the contract that they had given him and his desire to be the franchise quarterback and their desire for him to be the franchise quarterback. Are we on YouTube? We're not there yet. Are we? I see myself. I know. Oh, baby. Let's go. Well, you see yourself on the screen. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um. So they obviously felt that his study habits prior to signing that deal were not where they needed to be, and they felt that they must link the guarantees in this contract to his study habits. Okay? That didn't change. No. In 24 hours. That didn't change. I have to imagine that was somewhat of a sticking point in the contract, I would think, or perhaps the agent just said, you know what, let's do it, because in my mind it would have been easy to say, you know what, This is insulting. Kyler Murray will go play quarterback anywhere else. There are plenty of teams that would want Kyler Murray to play quarterback for them. And remember, they wanted to give him all of this money. So it just became what I think a ridiculous, ridiculous situation. And so, as I said, the Cardinals decided to remove that clause from the contract. They deleted it yesterday. And they made a statement about it. As well, basically saying, we didn't like this. We didn't like what had happened here. We don't like the way that everybody is perceiving it. This isn't our intention. We're deleting it. It was your intention. Kyler's side of it saw this contract and agreed to sign it. And yet, because of the public backlash, which is quite obvious, right? It was obvious why there would be some backlash about it. It is that they decided then now... To get rid of it. Now, Mike Florio saying, now, why would they try to get rid of it after it happened? Why would they try to just basically say, you know what? Eh, here it is. By the way, here's the exact statement. I was tracking it down. After seeing the distraction it created, we have removed the addendum from the contract. It was clearly perceived in ways that were never intended. Our confidence in Kyler Murray is as high as it's ever been, and nothing demonstrates our belief in his ability to lead this team more than the commitment reflected in this contract. Okay. It was in the contract because they wanted it there. He does an unscheduled press conference come and say, you know what? He literally walked into the media room, went to the podium. And says, this pisses me off. This is a joke. Now it's over. Now it's gone. Oh, baby. We're live and in color. Hello, my beautiful people. We are so great to see you. So Cleveland Browns Daily back now on YouTube as well, youtube.com slash Streaming on the app. Streaming on the app. We're back, baby. Friday. Let's go, Gibbe. Get down on Friday. The next level is next. Yeah, we're out of here. No, we've got too much good stuff for the people today. Stefanski, Stefanski, Woods, Harris, Ruiz. I mean, it's a loaded lineup today, so we got to stay here for the folks. But this is just an unbelievable situation that's unfolded. Now, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, thinks that perhaps they did this because Kyler Murray might be so mad that he would fire his agent, Eric Burkhart. 
if that happens, a new agent, they don't get paid until there's a new deal, which means the new agent would want a new deal to be negotiated probably sooner than the current agent. So that is, to me, I think that's an interesting theory. I think the fact of the matter is it was horrific PR. They know that if they get rid of the clause, that will be painful in the short term, but people will forget about it in the long term, and I think that's what they're going for. It clearly was something that was offensive to Kyler Murray, which, again, did Kyler Murray know that was in the clause that he signed? That's the question. Feels like not because he felt pretty insulted by it. The Cardinals also obviously felt they needed it in there. So it's one of the craziest situations I can remember, and it's a fascinating thing the way that this is gone and, and played out, and, and now it was here and it's gone and all in a week. And yet they made that decision quickly. We still don't have a decision on our quarterback in terms of what's going to happen with Sue Robinson. But they put the clause in. Well, they took the clause out. It's like a, you put your right foot in, you take right foot out. They're doing a little hokey pokey over there, a little contract hokey pokey with Kyler Murray in Arizona. I almost think it looks worse. Of course it does. <laughs> if, 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 if you just would have let it go away. So my question is, who leaked it? Normally in a situation like you say, there would be somebody that would stand to gain from the leaking of it. The only people that I feel like would gain from the knowledge of that clause being in the contract would be other NFL agents who would like to represent Kyler Murray. How would they have that information? That I don't know. But it doesn't behoove the Cardinals no. to let it be the world know that they needed their franchise quarterback to you know, put in this study time or else his contract was going to be voided. And it certainly didn't benefit Kyler Murray. So – there doesn't seem to be a clear, obvious motive for why this became public in the first place. Obviously, the fallout was big. It was swift, and now that clause is gone. But it is really a very interesting, interesting kind of turn of events and really a couple days down there in Arizona. Some news out of Carolina. Robbie Anderson, the wide receiver, is now going by Robbie, R-O-B-B-I-E, as opposed to R-O-B-B-Y. He says it looks better. What do you want to go by on Monday? Listen, give me some time. Let me think about it a little more. Dragomir? Dragomir. Like, I'll schedule a press conference in that media room. There's like yeah. 40 people in there. Yeah. I mean, what do you want to go by? Because I go. feel like every day we're getting a name change. We were getting the yeah, we, got we were getting the helmet Leonard. reveal almost daily. Yeah. Well, that's over. That's over. So now we need name changes every day. Yeah, here we go. We'll think of it. I think Maybe that's where we need to be. We'll see what Stevie wants to go by, and then we'll reject it, and we'll go with Stevie. Hey, he's making the effort here. He's doing good. He's doing good. Uh, shout out to David. He said, closing on my home today and happy to have gone with the official mortgage partner of the Browns at Cross Country Mortgage. Exciting times again ahead. Hashtag Browns, hashtag home closing. Congrats, brother. That is exciting. There you go. We were right here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus. I love it. Beautiful. Uh, by the way, Dog Pound 419 says, I am definitely not the official Nana of the show, but the stream is working. Love it. <sighs> official Nana show. God. She's got fans all over the place. Thank you, Dog Pound 419. We appreciate it. All right, when we come back here, we're going to go around the league on some other things, a big contract for DK Metcalf, some uh, uh, practice updates from around training camps around the league as well, and uh, really some some notes on some AFC North quarterbacks. And then we got Kevin Stefanski at 130 at the podium, Kevin Stefanski at 145 live with us right here on set and on the stream now, baby. Oh, that's a big get right there. That's big. Omar Ruiz on set, exclusive with Nick Harris. Next time we could, like, pre-record the Nick Harris somehow maybe for the video, folks. I don't know. Just thinking out loud. We did it right well, here. that's what Stevie's future role is. Yeah, that's what it is.
Yeah, we're, this is good. This yeah, is good. Look at my that, bald yeah. head looking straight down at the computer here. That's so okay. I try to figure this Show out. him the shiny. Let's go. I'm telling you, man. Hey, oh, oh, I do want to shout out Matt Fishman, uh, our, our PD at ESPN Cleveland, director of content. I don't know what they go by these days, but uh, I know it's been quite the week as ESPN moves into a new studio. We do want to thank everybody listening and viewing for bearing with us. We've had some changes here. <laughs> We've had to move our entire operation for training camp, yes. uh, we've had to do a lot of things. There's a lot of people behind the scenes. Uh, I want to shout out Chris Cola, Corey Blessing, Matt Schrodek. Uh, I mean, those guys, uh, <laughs> they have, they've slept here. And uh, we're up and running, and I could not be happier. And then Drew comes in with a bow, just sealed and delivered. Drew, legend. Baco as well. Baco was running cable here earlier. Drew's just a legend. Let's just fa- the fact of the matter is, Drew Davidson. When you need something done, he's like better call Saul. <laughs> you call Drew and he takes care of it. He's a fixer. He if gets he it done. can't, we're in deep trouble. If he can't, we're yeah, we're we're host. We're toast. We will see you next. We're on toast. The next folks. level. That's right. Well, when we come back, we're going around the league. Yes. Here. Live training camp day number three at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus Fieldside for Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Elk and Elk Serious Lawyers for Serious Injuries. Call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for your free case review. Elk and Elk's a proud partner of the Cleveland Browns. Go Browns. Today, one a little bit of a sad day here in Berea, Cross Country Mortgage Campus. It's the end of the tenure of New Rob. New Rob moving on to bigger and better things. They're going to be calling him Polymer Rob in the near future. And Gibbe's filling out a card. You're doing this live on the stream, Gibbe. Filling out a card for New Rob. I'm fairly confident this might be a surprise. Well, hopefully he's In not which listening. Case, if, he is listening if he is listening, come on out best here. Best wishes. Come on out, New Rob, and, and say some words to the people, the people who have, who have loved the New Robden experience. That was our combined name. Produced many a two-minute drill together. You want me to sign that? I'm trying to do a radio show. Emmy award-winning TV producer. Emmy, yep. The only demerit on his whole thing is that he he's <laughs> kind of stabbed me in the back and took Kept me out from getting an Emmy, like well deserved, which is very sad. But then it came back to bite him. Well, yeah, turnabout's fair play. That's Oof. what they say. By the way, the stream is up. People are happy. Jeff says Gibbs rocking the dad plaid shorts. Love it. Great call. Cargo Indeed. plaid. That's right. Cargo they are cargo plaid. shorts Don't as well. Me. Yeah, no. Cargo Go, plaid. Embrace it. What you're doing. Look. And then hold on. Wait I'll a second. I'll look good he, tomorrow for the people. Today. Yeah. Eh. Hold on. He has a second comment. Nathan's girl looking yoked today. Thanks, baby. Appreciate you, Jeff. All right. All right. Dad, he, plaid, and yoke. I cannot what a even combo. Begin to tell you how many times uh, a day this guy does this. Oh, baby. The moment someone like remotely gives him the opportunity to flex. I'm not even big. It's hilarious. It's an ironic flex. Oh. I'm Someone, trying to get there, yeah, though. I'm I trying. I'm working right. hard. I think you're doing all right. In the words of Bob Wiley, not our former offensive line coach, but the great Bob Wiley star of the film What About Bob? I'm baby-stepping. I'm doing the work. I'm not a slacker. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I need, I need, I need. That's what D.K. Metcalf said to the Seattle Seahawks, and guess what? They did give. <laughs> he, he, yes, he Three yeah. years. How about that transition? Three years, $72 million extension to say with the Seahawks. 
they're paying him that because I think this year, you know, the, the prospect of catching passes from Drew Locke and Geno Smith probably not that exciting, but he's hoping in the near future that he's going to be catching passes, you know, maybe from C.J. Stroud, perhaps. I mean, Seattle, right now you're looking at Seattle and Atlanta thinking they are got to be picking towards the top of the draft. Maybe that's that's what they are doing, so we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens there. Going around the league now as we take a look at things, uh, Lamar Jackson showing signs of physical improvement, throwing with more velocity and tighter spirals upon completing 12 of 17, according to Jamison Hensley, early at Ravens practice. Error against error or what? I don't know. This is your notes. I don't know. Stevie wrote them. Oh, Stevie wrote them. Kenny Pickett having some trouble in the early days of practice, throws an interception on his first live team period rep, also threw an interception to end Wednesday's practice, according to Brooke Pryor. And she's saying what a joy it is for the people in Pittsburgh, finally, where they're hanging on every throw in a training camp. But it really feels like the consensus coming out of Pittsburgh right now is that Mitch Trubisky will be the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers and that Kenny Pickett's time will come if it comes this year. It won't be coming in week one, the season opener there. So it's likely when – the Steelers come to play the Browns in week three that barring injury, it would be Mitch Trubisky at the quarterback spot there. So that's what's going on around the AFC North a little bit. I haven't heard much out of Cincinnati because I think everybody's just blinded by the beauty of those white helmets and the white unis, which are just phenomenal. And uh, the white bangle, it's, it's, it's a nice look. It really is a nice look. It's clean. It is clean. When we come back, as things are hustling and bustling, people milling about as the Browns getting ready for day three of training camp, the third day of the four-day acclimation ramp-up period, although today we will get to see in seven-on-sevens. We'll get to see some live passing drills there. Uh, no pads. Obviously, that starts next Tuesday. But we'll get to see a little offense, defense, and then on Saturday uh, we'll get the first practice in front of the fans. That's when we'll get team periods uh, where there is some movement with speed on offense versus defense. So kind of gradually building it up. Day one, walkthrough. Day two, on air. Day three today, some team seven-on-seven offense versus defense. And then day four will be team periods where they will go offense versus defense. And then next week, it's full go. Full go starting on Monday. They will have, you know, the shells on. They'll be going. I think shells will be Saturday as well. And then pads for the first time on Tuesday next week here at the Cross Country Mortgage Camp. So when we come back, head coach Kevin Stefanski live at the podium. We'll be taking copious notes on those questions because then he's coming live to join us, and we will ask him questions that were not asked in that press conference. We won't be redundant. And now we'll go to break on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, we're going to the podium now. Head coach Kevin Stefanski. Okay, uh, injury update. Uh, Schwartzy is uh, day-to-day with a knee strain, um, so we'll see how that goes over the next couple of days. Uh, but I think he'll be okay, uh, certainly, in long term. Uh, and with that, I'll take any questions. Uh, they didn't say that, Tony, but, yeah, I, you know, I have him right in front of me, so you're always nervous when it's, no contact, but yeah, I didn't use those terms, but certainly uh, hopeful long term. He'll be ready for the season. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, day to day. Kevin, the first couple of practices, no pads. What are you really looking for? Is it technique? Is it lining up properly? Yeah, I, I think you can get a lot done when you have shells on. Uh, when you have helmets on, you got to be real careful with without the shells on. You have to be real careful about guys banging shoulders. So until you get those shells on, I think you got to be careful. But I think there's so much you can do 
from a technique standpoint in terms of proper pro posture, uh, proper hand placement, those type of things. You know, we, we've spent a lot of time, believe it or not, talking about how to do walkthroughs correctly uh, because I think you can lighten the physical load and, and accelerate the uh, mental load. And what we've tried to do in those walkthroughs is make sure that they're organized, that they're efficient, that the guys are taking their proper steps. So when you're not going, quote unquote, live, uh, you can really work on your alignment, you can work on your assignment, can still work your technique, but those techniques are really being driven home in their individual periods. Kevin, with David and Anthony, is there talk of going out and trying to find help, uh, replacement help at the receiver at this point, or is it still too early? Yeah, no, I'd say too early for that. Kevin, who are some of the young receivers that are catching your eye? Yeah, I think they're all doing a good job, Mary Kay. I think, you know, you mentioned Michael Woods. He was out for a good portion of the offseason program, so it's good to see him out there finally. We got to see him late in the offseason program. Uh, so he's somebody uh, that I'm excited to see what he has uh, over the course of these next few weeks. But I think all, all the young guys uh, are learning a lot. They're working very hard. You'll see today we'll have two seven-on-seven seven periods, so it will really be pass game um, heavy in, in that regard. So you'll see some competitive uh, periods with the offense and the defense. Kevin, we've gotten to know JOK as a player. We really don't know him as a person. How would you characterize him or describe him? Uh, Jeremiah is very thoughtful, uh, very intelligent, uh, very enthusiastic and energetic and about his teammates, about life, uh, deep thinker. Um, enjoy being around him. Uh, I think he's uh, obviously has a bright future. Uh, in this league, but I think he's just uh, a, a great person to, to spend uh, your days with. He acknowledged that maybe some of the mistakes he made last year turned into highlights. Would you be okay with him making a couple mm -hmm. of those again? As long as you make him 100 miles an hour, right? I, I think he's done a nice job. He's a player that plays at, sometimes at a frenetic pace, and I think with Coach Tarver, Coach Bloom, Woodsy, that we've tried to make him understand that you can make plays within the framework of the defense, and then every once in a while he'll make those extraordinary plays. He talked a lot about he talked a lot about balance and life and football and everything. And I know that's something that's important to you. Is that something you guys have spent any time discussing? Jeremiah and I, uh, a little bit. I mean, we've talked about his trips that he takes, and he's he has a lot of interest outside of football. It doesn't mean he doesn't love football. He loves football. He just loves some other things, too. And that's okay. I think we, we can all do that. Uh, and he's with his trips to Africa. Those are, those are really important to him. Those are really important to who he is. So I encourage him uh, in that regard. Will, will the players wear those caps in the joint practices? Yes. Kevin, when we talked to Joe Woods, he, he had mentioned that about the youth movement and defensive tackle, and that just kind mm -hmm. of being part of the plan developing some of those younger players just um the, the reps that they're going to get in camp man, what are you looking from from them and just uh you know how how valuable is that for the organization to, to really get those young guys on track yeah we do have a young room there in the interior but guys that we're excited about you know we talked about jordan elliott yesterday is a guy that i think is uh, going into his third year uh, it's, it really seems to be clicking for him uh, just with how he's handled this offseason. So uh, there's a bunch of young guys that I'm excited to get some reps. Uh, it, it's all new, so they're going to make mistakes like we talked about earlier, but it's about not making the same mistake twice. Dive, Jones up here a little bit today. Uh, what are you seeing in him that leads you to believe that he can take that next big step this year? Yeah, you know, I, 
broken record when you're talking about Donovan. He, he makes plays when, when the ball comes his way. He's very dependable. Uh, I, I thought he had, I, I thought you can see him taking strides from his rookie year to his second year. I, I still think you see those strides. I think he's uh, works very hard on the physical aspect of this. He, he's diligent about his body. Um, and then, as we all know, he's very intelligent. So then it becomes a rapport between he and the quarterbacks. And I think they're doing a nice job in that regard as well. You know, we asked about Chris Hubbard a few times, Kevin. Um, he's had some, seems to me, like bad luck with the injuries. Is there, how's he doing? And then uh, you do. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about the luck part, Jeff, but I tell you, he has a great attitude, an unbelievable attitude. He's somebody that when he's in the building, I mean, he, he lifts everybody up. So uh, it, I, I know he's had some injuries that are disappointing to him and to us, but uh, it's not keeping him down. He's uh, he's coming back. He's, he's ready to roll. I'm just curious how you personally uh, feel about how long it's taken for uh, this decision, particularly when you consider in the CBA that, you know, the post-hearing briefs aren't supposed to be uh, longer than uh, five pages, you know, although I heard discussion, I guess, to, to a degree. And then also, to what degree have you thought about, you know, just the preparation of that day uh, when it finally does come in terms of your conversations with Deshaun and just managing it as a head coach and organization? Yeah, I think, Jacina, with all of that you control the controllables and really as, as you know I, I control what goes on in this field so I'll continue to do that and all, all my discussions with Deshaun or any of the guys on the team will, will kind of keep internal uh, but it, it's important for me for all of us to make sure we control what we can control. Do you think it warrants you know just kind of like a regardless of kind of someone what you are talking about but do you think that it warrants you know just kind of extra conversation and prep for that day in particular? Um, I, I, I'm pretty comfortable with how we're handling uh, that right now. At this point of your camp, would anything be different if you had a decision? Like would you be practicing them to differently? I, I think the, 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 uh, the details would, would be important, you know, of, of whatever the decision is, the details uh, of potential length of absence would matter the most to, to us in terms of how we're putting our plan together. Kevin, we heard from some of the defensive guys the last couple of days talking about this alpha dogs thing that it sounds like Joe what do you What do you know about that? They're being kind of secretive about it so far. Yeah, so I, well, I'm going to be secretive as well uh, because I don't want to get fined by those guys. But I think what you're trying to do, actually, training camp's long and it is competitive, but you're always looking for ways to motivate the guys on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, I think each position group does it in their own way, and, and certainly Joe with the unit is, is taking it to a unique place. You, you mentioned seven on sevens today, mm -hmm. um, and the ramp up is obviously different than it used to be. So, just like for you, how different is it? How different does it feel not being able to see guys go, you know, whatever, one on one or seven on seven? Yeah, three? I think it's 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 interesting, Scott, because I go back to 2020. We didn't have preseason games, so we truly did have a ramp up. Um, so we're trying to, within the framework of the rules, think about the right way to do this, to get the football team ready to play, and to try to minimize injury as best you can. As we all know, injuries can happen uh, at, at a moment's notice, but what's the safe way to ramp up uh, to get ready to play football? And we got a Jacksonville game that's, that's coming around the corner, so you do have to accelerate that to a certain extent to get the team ready to play, but trying to be real smart about how you begin camp uh, because we know it's a long 
camp. It's a long season, got longer by a game last year. So taking all that into account uh, as we start to prepare for the season. Do you think it'll feel different tomorrow when the fans finally get here? It always does. It's it, my first training camp where it's a true and you have both with fans. I think it was a little bit more muted with just one side and, and that type of thing. So I'm looking forward to that, looking forward to that energy that it brings because it does ramp up the energy that the players then have. Kevin, we've heard several players here early on, and I, I realize it's early in camp, but talking about the vibe of the team, just how different it is from last year, I guess from your perspective, what have, what have you noticed, and, and I guess how would you define the, the difference in the, in the vibe this year? I think it's, it's, that's so hard for me to, to describe. Uh, whoever said it, that's probably that's their opinion. Um, I'm not real big on vibes. I mean, you, you, just, you haven't noticed anything different? I noticed the guys are working. You know, the other one thing I'd say, Daryl, is I think having a spring and having a nine-week program where the guys were in the building physically together and taking trips together, like that's the type of thing that that you can do to grow as a team that we weren't able to previously. But in terms of vibes, I mean, it's what's today, July. 28th, 9th? There you go. I don't know what day it is. Groundhog Day. But I don't think it's time yet to say that there's a different vibe. Do you think you uh, played your starters in the preseason last year? Will you change anything about play time? Uh, I think we're going to have those type of discussions the next couple weeks. Uh, we're always having those. I don't think any there's any hard, fast rules uh, in, in the NFL in terms of who plays who and, and how often you play. So. It's really going to be dependent on this team and what we think this team needs to get ready. So we'll discuss that as it gets closer, but I would tell you that's something that you discuss every year, and, and every year stands on its own merit. Hey, Kevin, when you say it's, I think it's too early right now to look for receiver help, how much of the factor is felt in the way you're doing yeah, well, I think you guys have heard me talk about uh, Dimitri. He's a very versatile football player. He can—he is a football player first and foremost. Uh, there's an opportunity right now for him to get some receiver reps. We can bounce him back into that running back room at any point. And really, he's smart enough where he can do both within a given practice. Uh, so when you do have injuries at either position, he's a bonus player who can go on to either either room, if you will. Did you give Kareem any more of those receiver reps? Yeah, I think Kareem uh, does a nice job outside of the backfield in a lot of things that we've done over the course of the last couple of years. So that, that's definitely a role that he can play as well. Yeah, but of course, you got to do King Grant with a viable offensive option. You tried to do that with Vance on a couple yeah. years. Yeah, right. That's not small. Yeah, different. I'd say a different player uh, with with Jakeem and JoJo. Uh, he's he's an electric player. He's fast. Uh, so. Certainly, somebody that we uh, would love to use uh, as we get into the, the regular season. Do you think there are opportunities to feature Giannis a little bit more? When you're talking about a guy who had almost 300 plus rushing yards last season, how he did this kind of get in there with Nick Chubb and those guys hurt relative to what he gave them when they were? Yeah, I think, you know, how I feel about Giannis, I think everybody knows he's a very, very. Um, He's a great teammate, number one, and then when he gets in there, he produces. So he's definitely somebody that we want to touch the rock because good things happen when he does. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have a, a bunch of good options in that room on the offense and just in general. Uh, but the earnest, will, he, as you can imagine, he, he will do whatever we ask him to do. Good. Okay. Thanks, Thank guys. You. Thank you.
wrapping things up at the podium over there, and now he is making his way towards us. So we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, head coach of your Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski, will be live with me fieldside at day three of Browns Training Camp 2022 here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus, and you're going to hear that interview only on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily Live field side here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea for day three of Browns training camp. And we are thrilled to be joined live on set right now by the head coach of your Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski. And coach, first of all, great to talk to you. Welcome back. How was your summer? <laughs> great to be here. Uh, summer was great. Got, up, got out of town for a little bit, took the family uh, to the beach. So I spent some time in that Atlantic Ocean, which was yeah. fun. So I am refreshed. A little Jersey Shore action? Jersey Shore. Love That's it. Fun. I love that. So when you're sitting here and you get to kind of see all this, the joy that I feel like is on so many people's faces and especially on your staff. What does it mean to get to come back and actually get to start this process for you guys? Yeah, this is what we do. This is what we love to do. And, and I get that unique uh, opportunity to go watch our coaches coach something I love doing. I can see right now down at the other end, there's Coach Callahan. You know, what his guys are working under his watchful eye. and They're just, always the first ones out here, by the way. I no don't doubt. think that's a coincidence. That's no coincidence, exactly. So the, he's doing a great job just watching our coaches coach, and that's where the, the first day of school when these guys finally get back here, there's that energy level, the excitement, and then we get to teach, and that's ultimately what we are. We are teachers. So watching our guys coach, watch our guys teach is fun for me. On the loves ball scale, or somebody who just is so thrilled to be around football, and I see him on the far side jogging around there, is Jason Tarver unmatched in his zest for this game? Yeah, Tarver has some energy, uh, and that's natural energy, and, <laughs> and I, I appreciate it. And, and it, that energy it permeates in his group and his linebacker group, uh, crew. They, uh, you hear them, they run to the ball, they're loud, uh, and that definitely comes from Coach Tarver. All right, last year you created, and it may even have been two years ago, that you created an absolute frenzy. You had bust out the equipment hoodie. It's got the running elf on it. And that was really the only place that we saw it would be on that hoodie. And now as I sit out here, I look, look at on the goalpost right there on the, the pads on the stanchion, on the official training camp site, on a lot of the wrapping here. Is this, is this your vision? <laughs> I got some other things I'm worried about other than the uh... – <laughs> Our marketing department. That, I'm going to give credit to Brad Mellon. How about that? There it is. Head of That's smart. Equipment. We give him credit for everything. Our equipment staff. Uh, he's the best. He takes care of us. Uh, so that's. I'm going to give Brad credit for that one. We've named an award after him that we give out every week during the season, which is the Brad Mellon Pursuit of Perfection Award. Because Love it. That's what he does. We just, you know, we aspire to be there. All right. I know you do have more important <laughs> things on your mind. Let's talk about. Give the fans a little peek behind the curtain, if you wouldn't mind. What's your daily schedule like? during training camp as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns? Yeah. Uh, so starts with that cup of coffee. <laughs> you know, starts with putting the film on. Checking that. the weather. I heard Check that the, the other weather. day. Yeah, right, exactly. first, first things first. But, yeah, we really start at 8 as our first meetings with the rookies. Okay. So I, I like to get in early and get the tape watched early. Uh, and, and we're just getting organized. We're, we're in the infancy of, of this season. So we're in install number one currently. So we're really taking our time, and, and just so you, there's about seven installs. So over the course of the next four, maybe 14 days, you'll get all those installs in. But 
We'll start with meetings, and then we'll be out there on the practice field for a walkthrough around 10.45, break for lunch, more meetings, as, or as Brett Favre called them when I was with Brett, beatings. <laughs> and then we're back out here uh, about 1.45, and then beautiful day that, that was ordered here. Um, clouds, and I mean, this is like perfect weather. Uh, so the guys are loving that. And then once we're done here, we're back in there. Then you watch the tape, you eat, you meet again, and you're done. So we, the rhythm to how we operate typically is we meet on whatever the install is, we walk it through, and then we practice. And then the, the evening time is for the corrections that uh, always occur. And then you want to apply those and carry those forward the next day. So that's something that you're looking at in this phase. You're expecting there to be some mistakes. I know how happy you were with the way that people came back, not only in condition, but in their playbook, which would minimize those. But then what you want to see is it's okay to make a mistake. I don't want to see it twice. Yeah, and, and that's where, you know, I really go back to that off-season program. It was – we covered so much ground, meaning we, we covered so much football, and we made those mistakes, and then we fixed them. And now when you're in that meeting this morning and you're showing the tape, you're like, hey, remember you made this mistake back in May. You're not going to make it here in, in July and August. So – there's the benefit of a off-season program where you can cover ground, you can get all your installs in so that when you get here, you can accelerate the pace of your installs and you can then start to pivot. You can add some things that maybe you, you wanted to tweak from, from the spring. All right, so you said the, the rhythm is they're going to have this practice today, then you're all going to go watch the tape, maybe separate together, talk about it, get the guys back in the meeting rooms, go through that so that they're ready for the next day. When you have today, the first competitive periods of this training camp, you're going to have some seven-on-sevens. You talked about that in your presser. What are you looking for in a seven-on-seven? Seven? Because you don't have to worry about the line now. Yeah. So are you looking at the way the routes are run, if the ball is going where the coverage dictated? What are you looking for when you watch that back offensively and then flip it to the other side defensively? Yeah, so seven-on-seven, seven, like you mentioned, the offensive line's not in there, the defensive line's not in there. So it's not real football. The, right. the, the quarterback's not feeling the rush. It's – weighted towards the offense that it, when you go out of a let's say you have 20 plays in a seven on seven you better complete 16 17 of those because there's yep. there's no rush now with the quarterback you don't let him sit back there all day you make sure that he's if it's five steps and a hitch he, the ball better be out he has to get to his check down those type of things but with seven on seven you're looking for communication on the back end on defense you're looking for proper alignment and spacing from the offense and then when the ball's in the air we're trying to take care of each other, so it's not going to be. You're not going to see any bang, bang, big plays, and guys knock out of the ball. So seven on seven is really it's a precision piece for the offense. And then for the defense, it's more of a route recognition, pattern recognition, communication drill. How much of it in your evaluation of given that you said, look, we should be hitting at 80, 85 percent completion? How much of it is in the result of the play as much as the process and the decision by the quarterback when you're evaluating that position in a seven on seven? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've been around some. Real good quarterbacks in, in that seven-on-seven seven drill where it's just it's the, you, they're just reacting. They're not thinking, and they see the coverage. They, they can see the, the people moving in front of them and, and decisions. You can watch almost their, their uh, process occurring in real time, and it happens fast. And then so you're watching the process, and then you're, you're really grading the accuracy of the throw. Sure. And, and that's where you, you try to maybe push yourself. I'm going to try and fit it in this tight window just to test. Can I fit in that tight window? Can I be – so precise, I'm going to throw this to his outside shoulder so that the defender can't get his hand on it. With Deshaun, what have you seen in that regard? I know we're just getting started, but he got a little bit of time in minicamp and in the OTAs, and he's a guy who last time that he played in the league, obviously led the league in completion percentage. He is incredibly accurate. And just watching him yesterday, and I know it was on air, and I kept saying that on the radio, it just looks pretty. The ball is very – it's a pretty ball in the air, and it looks very effortless. 
Yeah, Deshaun's a talented thrower. Uh, like you mentioned, it is an effortless uh, motion. The ball comes out with, with good pace, good velocity, uh, and it's a catchable ball. It throws, it throws a tight ball. You know, he's done a really nice job since he got here in April in throw, just throwing himself into the offense, throwing, throwing, getting himself in the book, understanding the techniques, understanding all the reads. Uh, so he's, he's a very, very diligent worker. And I think you sh that shows up in practice. I think you see him making proper decisions and then delivering accurate footballs. When you have a veteran like Jacoby Brissett that you guys obviously wanted to get, that was the target. You brought him in here to be the backup quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. What have you seen from him in terms of his process, a guy who's been in many different offenses, obviously, with a few different teams here in the league? Yeah, real impressed by Jacoby. Uh, you know, you do your work on a guy when you identify someone that you may go out and get. You, you watch the tape. You make some phone calls. So you feel like you have a pretty good picture of the person, uh, and I think all of that was accurate, and I'm even more impressed having been around him. I just think he's a rock-solid person. I love how he prepares. I love how he thinks about football. Uh, he, he was raised right in this league. He's been in some really good offenses with really smart coaches and, and teammates, uh, you know, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, to name a couple. So the guy's seen a lot of football, even though he's a young man, uh, and, and I just appreciate how, what he brings to that meeting room. Yeah, 2020 Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for the Colts, and not only that, a great jumper. Did you know that was a part of the package? I, well, I, I didn't. Uh, I found that out over at the Cavs facility. I appreciate it, Coach Bickerstaff, for letting us come over there. Uh, but an, an impressive Jay. That, that guy can, he can really shoot it. <laughs> he can. All right, Coach, we're going to get you out of here on this one. I know you have important things to do out there on the field, and we appreciate your time. It being PJB's birthday today, did you offer to not do media so he could just relax today and enjoy his birthday? No, uh, he ma he's making me do all this on, on his birthday. You know what he's he so does is right now, he makes he makes everything about him. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's totally. always all about PJB yeah. and yeah. and it gets frustrating. But that's that's you know that's a lot in life. You're a mensch for putting up with that. <laughs> Congrats, Coach. Coach, thank all you right. very much. Thanks. PJB, happy birthday to you. And uh, we'll be back with more. We're going to hear from the Browns defensive coordinator Joe Woods when Cleveland Browns Daily returns here live fieldside on 8:50 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily Live Fieldside here at Training Camp 2021. You just heard from the head coach of your Cleveland Browns and the play caller for your offense. Now let's hear from the defensive coordinator, Joe Woods, at the podium earlier today. So for us, it just really came down to situational football. Um, there was a lot of areas that we made improvement from 20 to 21, um, but we had to get better on third down, uh, red zone area, you know, things of that nature. Joe, what surprised you about your last year? No, he's no good player. You know, he's just he's very, very athletic, very explosive. When he puts his foot in the ground, he can go from point A to B right now. Um, so his ability to match up in coverage, his ability to make plays uh, in space is, is unique. But was there anything that you did that you weren't sure he was ready for? Or like, no, you, could do or? As, as a young guy, you know, as a rookie coming to the league, you have to learn how the game's being played. You know, in college it's a little bit different in terms of what they see. Uh, for him, his first year was really how was he going to play in the box. Uh, I went back and watched every single play when he was at Notre Dame, and he was really playing on the edge like a nickel. Or excuse me, he was playing out in the slot like a nickel, or he was blitzing off the edge. So all the stuff in terms of playing in the box was new for him, and I thought he handled it pretty good. He almost looks like a running back sometimes. Absolutely. We talk about our linebackers. We want, we want them to look like the animals they hunt. 
So we want our linebackers to resemble running backs because those are the guys they have to defend. He has talked about the uh, turn of the down at times, but he's overly aggressive, sometimes overrunning him. Yeah. Well, you know, he's kind of a seed ball, get ball type of guy, but you have to go through your key progression. We want the fast trigger, you know, in terms of executing your run gaps and your responsibilities, but you got to be patient and make sure your key takes you there. So he just got ahead of himself a little bit playing fast, but that just comes with experience. You said a lot about, about you said that you would have more for him this year than as a rookie. So yeah. what, what are some of those additional things you have on his yeah, well, you always want to uh, activate your playmakers. Um, but at the same time, it's you have to make sure you're doing the right thing for the entire defense. So we'll always have ways uh, to blitz them, uh, ways to put them in certain positions in coverage. Uh, we'll do a little bit more of that this year. Um, that's just natural for any rookie going into a second year. Um, but we definitely want to take advantage of his talents. Joe, John brought up yesterday this Alphadon thing you guys are doing. Can you tell it's us a what secret. that is? No, no, it's, uh, I won't get into all the details, but basically we try to make our practices like games. So we try to chart all the information, and then we keep track of the guys leading each category, teams leading each category, and then there may be a reward at the end. Are maybe. there four, four teams, you said? Four teams. Did you divide them up, or did you pick guys to captains? We have a little cabinet that divides it up. We just try to balance out the teams. Um, yeah, but uh, we're definitely going to get into uh, alpha dog mode here in a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I think when you can bring back the same staff and when you can bring back a majority of players, you feel like you can do more defensively because the guys understand the system. And I put more on the guys in the offseason, put more on them right now in training camp, just in terms of the amount of defenses that we're installing. And you just feel like with those guys understanding that now we can get to another level of what we can do defensively. So just bringing guys back, it's just continuity and everybody understanding the scheme and the techniques that we're asking them to play. I, I couldn't answer that. Yeah, I, I, I pay no attention to that, to be honest with you. I got another question for you. Yeah. I mean, everybody, well, coaches talk a lot about your guy in year two playing even faster. Yeah. So you did in year one. Yeah. Joe Kidd was so fast. Like, does he still have another level that he can get to that way? Well, I mean, I think his level's pretty good where he's at. I think him is just more understanding his responsibilities and, again, letting his keys take him to where he's supposed to go. Um, and I think he'll be more consistent that way this year, but you're still going to see this, the speed and the quickness. How has Jordan done better since, uh, oh, yeah. since last year? Jordan? Yeah. Um, I think he's changed his body. Man. He came in. I was, actually, when he came in at, um, for training camp, he reported. I saw him. I was like, man, you're looking good. How much you weigh? I think he was in the 320 somewhere, but he looks like he weighs 280. And that's the way you want the big guys to look, you know, big athletes. And I think for him, it's just confidence. He's been in the system going into his third year. Uh, Coach Kiffin's done a great job teaching him, but now he knows the expectations what's going to be asked of them, and we definitely need them to step up for us this year. Joe, i got another JRK question for you. Yeah. Um, you kept adding and adding to his plate last year early yeah. on. He handled it. Yeah. How rare is that for a first-year guy? No, I just, I mean, some guys, well, the guys that are on the field are normally the guys that can handle it, you know, when you get rookies. And you, you have to be careful because, I mean, you guys see the ability he has. So if you're sitting there in the grease board drawing all types of things up. But at the same time, they have to be able to handle it. 
And uh, we slowly added things to his plate along with the rest of the defense, and I felt like he did a good job. Yesterday, John Johnson said the free safety look, he still feels like it worked. You guys bring Ryan back. Yeah. Two parts. Looking back last yeah. year, did it get to where you wanted it to? And then do you have the same expectations? Yeah, she's politicking. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, the, the three safety package is, uh, is good for us. And there's, uh, there's some other things we're going to do this year. But I always feel like defensively, I want to dictate the matchups, not what the offense is doing. So when you can go three safeties, you can put more corners on it. We have all types of packages, but we'll slowly introduce it so that way we feel like we have more control of what we're doing defensively. You also mentioned turnovers as well. Yeah. I mean, Dallas the dog, that might that really an emphasis this training? Absolutely. I mean, that's what we live and breathe. That's in our DNA is that we want to take away the football. Um, we haven't done as good a job the previous two years. I think we were right in, you know, 1920 in the NFL. We greatly have to improve that because that's one of the major categories, if, the most, if not the most important category when it comes to winning games. Do you consider two linebackers to the base defense? When we go to base, uh, base, base personnel against offenses, our base defense is three, three linebackers. And then when we go to nickel, then we'll have two linebackers and bring another DB in. And then if we go dime, then we'll have one linebacker on the field. But I said, you have all the, you know, you have Ronnie, you have Jacob, uh, Sione, JOK. So you can create a lot of different things out there. When we talked about, about uh, adding things yeah. to the defense, is, is there a point where you don't want things to get too complicated? And yes. how, how do you lower that point? Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I've been trying to say is there's a lot of things we can do defensively. But you have to be able to practice it, and you have to be able to execute it, you know, on game day. So when you get to the point where you feel like guys aren't executing, um, making too many mistakes, then that's where you have to really look at the menu and, and maybe have to pull back a little bit. Uh, we're training everybody. Yeah, so we have seven guys we're training right now, you know. And that's what we do with all the guys. We always try to train everybody that has that type of skill set to play the nickel position. So uh, throughout training camp, throughout the preseason, there's going to be multiple guys playing, playing the nickel position and just see how it sorts out. No, no, but they haven't, maybe they weren't asked to play uh, nickel in college. So we train them all and see who can, who can do it. Absolutely. Yeah, we will, hey, the more you can do, the better. Another one of those guys is entering his second year is Grant. Yes. Um, Jay, you were saying yesterday, he thinks Grant can be one of the better ones in the game. Just what, are you, what did you see from him last year, and what are your expectations for him? Um, I think for Grant, he was coming off that injury. So I think early on in the season, he was kind of feeling his way, like, am I really back? And you could see, I remember just watching the whole season and just watching him, just tracking him the whole way through the season. You can see him get better, and you can see the confidence. I think with him, he really sees the field well. You don't ever see him really wasting steps, and I think the instincts really play a big part of it for him. And then you have all the size and length and ability he has, you know. So he got better last year, and we look for him to have a good year for us uh, this year as well. You guys think Greg is your nickel at time class in Detroit? Yes. Yes. Uh, it seems like that's something you're going to do. Just seems like something he wants to do. Is that part of it? That mentality? That kind of wants to? Yeah. Inside? The more you can do, the better. You know, it gives us flexibility on defense. And uh, he likes it in there. You know, the nickel position is, is a good position because you can get away with a lot of things. Um, you know, you're close to the ball. We blitz you. Um, but he's picked it up, and he's doing really well. So. What are your concerns with the uh, speed tackle position? Well, I think you need more experience. 
Yeah, not. I mean, I think we're in a position where we're trying to develop young players, you know, along with some free agents. And at certain times, you know, uh, within the team, you're going to have those moments where you're developing young guys at a position. So for us this year, we have some youth at the defensive tackle position, but they're talented. So along the way, they're probably going to make some mistakes, you know, as they're growing into the position and learning it. But I think that's just the process we're going to have to go through this year. All right, that's Browns defensive coordinator Joe Woods, and I can tell you this defense is very excited about what it can be, the continuity that he mentioned. Your starting defensive ends are back. Yes, there's some new guys in the middle, but your top four linebackers from a year ago are all back. Four of your three, I'm sorry, four of your top five corners from a year ago are back. Your top three safeties are all back. So that continuity and the coaching staff returns intact on the defensive side of the football. When we come back, we're going to go to the offensive side. Nick Harris, the Browns' starting center, uh, working on his – this is his third training camp as the starter because, remember, J.C. wouldn't take these reps. This is the first one, though, where he's going to get to carry that into the regular season and be the starter for the Browns. I know you guys enjoyed him last time he was on with us on CBD. You're going to enjoy this as well. It's our exclusive one-on-one -on -one live from training camp with Nick Harris next on Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Joined now by Brown Center Nick Harris. And Nick, I got to tell you, last time you were on, your fan base exploded because everybody loved what you had to say there on CBD. But how are you doing, man? How's the summer been? It's been real good. Got a, you know, a couple couple weeks away, uh, came back, um, got back to the, the weight training, the eating, and, you know, I'm just, I'm just glad to be back and playing some football. When you go away, where did you get away to? Uh, I, went to I went to Greece for about a week and a half. Um, and it was it was a great time. It was a, it was a good 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 reset before we start going. What was your favorite part about Greece? The food, the food, because I the food is so fresh out there. You can just eat nonstop, and that was perfect for me because I didn't want to lose any weight. <laughs> so that's one of the things people probably don't understand. Everybody else in the world is out there trying to lose weight, and you're like, no, nah, I need to maintain my weight while you're out there. So a lot of seafood is that where you're eating a lot of fresh oh, seafood. Yeah. A lot of fresh seafood, fresh veggies, just constantly hummus. A lot of hummus, big, big, big hummus out there. Um, but yeah, it was all fresh food, and tried to make sure I stayed on top of it while I was there. What was your favorite city that you visited? Oh man, uh, I think I think Milos, the island, uh -huh. was the best. Uh, was the the best island we visited because it was just it was just naturally so beautiful. Like it was just a, a good spot to be. Now you're back in the natural beauties of Cleveland. We're looking out at the field right now as we do this interview. And so one of the things that, that I think is, is interesting, and you're going to educate me and I think a lot of our listeners here. So I get next Tuesday the pads come on, you as an offensive lineman, you guys get to kind of play football again. Right. In the OTAs and the minicamp when there aren't pads and all of that, what's the most important thing that you can gain from that period? I think it's um, one the meetings of just learning the playbook and learning the the schemes and learning, um, you know, just our calls and everything. Um, and then two, um, just running through the techniques and the details through, uh, in Indy because you know we our coach is so proactive and uh sure. you know how how detailed we play the game and you know just because we can't you know thud up against the D line doesn't mean we can't refine the techniques um, in Indy. So I mean I think those two are the most important. 
How excited are you, though, to actually get to that hub and actually see those techniques applied against uh, an opponent who's trying to stop you? It's, uh, th I mean, that's why we play, right? I mean, I, we play, we play to, we play to hit somebody. So definitely, it's it's exciting. But you got to go through those those steps and you know refine your techniques and learn the playbooks before you can get to that, so you can play fast and play confident. You mentioned that your coach is a, a stickler for detail and for the the I would say the intensity of the reps because as we look over here to our right, there's one pure portion of this entire field that had to be redone and resodded and it is where the offensive linemen were doing their drills so is that like is that a point of pride I'm sure coach Callahan and coach Peterson that's a point of pride but I mean it's hard to miss that that's where you guys were and that's the place that got absolutely torn up yeah, right no I it definitely uh, it helps with all the all the different toys and stuff they pull out for us to uh, you know play with in practice so um, you know it helps it helps the sled slide a little bit better and we got all a bunch of stuff over there that we're constantly doing and constantly refining and you know then and then like you said that they're both they're both detail oriented like not just Callahan but you know coach Peters is a very detail oriented coach so you know it's that that one patch of grass is for all that stuff over there <laughs> where are you at in, in keeping your thumb placement where coach Peters wants it <laughs> it's it's never good enough you always you always got to refine it always got to refine it <laughs> So what people might not understand is you're going into your first year looking to start. You got that start, obviously, against Green Bay and performed very, very well on Christmas Day. But that you have done in training camp, basically been the starting center. This is, what, three years in a row? Because J.C. was always on a pitch count. How much did that experience help prepare you for what's going on now? I I I credit like my confidence of a plan now to that because, you know, you get used to playing between uh, Wyatt and, and, and Joel. Um, and even with Jack and Jed, you get used to playing with those guys in practice. And um, I mean, our practice reps, I mean, we go we go pretty hard in practice. So, you know, it's the closest thing to the game and, and getting those reps. It really helps you, you know, play faster, play more confident. It helps you get, get the visual cues you need as a center to see things before you uh, go on the game field. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, that played a huge part for sure. Are you excited that when you guys do get the pads on on Tuesday that the guys across from you, some new flavors, right? You got Jordan Elliott, who you've gone against, and obviously Tommy was here last year. But for the most part, and Sheldon, there's some new faces as well to kind of try your techniques out and see things that maybe you haven't seen before other than watching them on tape or maybe even in the preseason. Definitely, definitely. I mean, we got a, a, an assortment of, of, of talent over there. Um, they all have different styles of play. So. Um, it'd definitely, it'd definitely be a good, a good test for us in, in camp and being able to go against that time because you know you, when you're going through NFL season, you see a whole bunch of different types of players. And but at the end of the day, it, it, it really fo uh, lies on us and our, our technique and just staying true to how we play. And you know, it all fall into place from there. When you, as a center, are let's say we're in a third and long, an obviously obvious passing situation, you're going against our defense, and all of a sudden. Here comes three, maybe even four defensive ends because they can kick a Miles inside. They can kick a Clowney inside. Alex Wright has size. They can kick him inside. How does that change thing? And what's the biggest difference when you're blocking a guy that is a pass rusher from the edge and now he's inside? Yeah, I mean, it starts in the meeting room. Uh, you you learn those guys while, while coach is going over um, how they rush tackles. You see how they play. Um, and then when they kick inside, obviously the space is confined. Um, so everything happens a little bit faster. So your technique has to be, uh, it has to move one step ahead um, in like speed, speed wise, um, just because the quarters are so close. Um, but like I said, it comes back just to, you know, trusting our, our technique, just being confident in what we do. Um, 
and then that's you know usually but that they create great matchups for teams so i'm excited to see them go against other teams during the season with that with that talent but definitely helps us in camp yeah right certainly hopefully not your problem after after we get to the regular season there uh when you think about this offense in the center they say the quarterback of the offensive line how are things evolving without giving away the secrets? We'll, we'll save those for Carolina in week number one. But just how do you see things evolving in this offense and and the role of the offensive line in that evolution? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the we're all the, these reps that we got in OTAs and the, just the reps that we're getting, obviously, in the beginning of training camp. You know, they're, they're helping. They help a lot. Uh, just the cohesion of the whole group. We have a lot of new faces, as everybody knows. Sure. Um, just still getting those reps all together, play a huge, a huge part. And then just as for the offensive line, just us, you know, we have a good group of guys in there that are just they just want to work. I think um, from, from the, you know, the whole the whole group just they constantly just want to, you know, get get learn new new techniques and be on the field and, you know, practice. So. If you have a lot of, if a group of workers like that, a group of connected workers like that, man, it's the sky's the limit. So it's been, it's been promising. All right, three kind of fun ones in the offensive line room. Who in the offensive line room would you never want to meet one on one in a street fight? And not necessarily you, because I know you're going to have supreme confidence in your abilities. But I'm talking just like in general, like if you were saying, okay, I or how, let me rephrase it, you have to bring one guy in the offensive line with you into a two on two situation. Who are you saying you're my wingman? Wyatt, for sure. Wyatt, Wyatt yeah, yeah, nah, he's crazy. He carried an alligator around. He's, he, he's crazy. He, he's a, he's a wild card. So that's that's perfect for if he's on your side because he's you don't know what he's about to do. Uh, <laughs> you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Who is the biggest eater? If you guys are gonna have an eating contest, who would put down the most food? Jedrick Wills, easily, man. That boy eats all day, every day. He's constantly eating. <laughs> all right, and then who's the funniest guy in the room? Ah. Uh, Man, that's a tough one. That's a tough. We got some funny guys in there though. But I would say that the guy that makes me consistently laugh is David Moore. Man, he's a he's okay. a he's a funny dude. He's a he's a really funny guy. What's so funny about him for our fans who may not be familiar? What does he bring to the table? He's just, he's just witty. He's just he always has like something something quick off the top of his head to say in just in just funny situations. Um, and he's always just smiling and messing around everybody. So, yeah, he's a, he's a really good dude to have in that room because he, he lightens it up when things get real intense and stuff. All right, and then the last one saying in this kind of this fun theme here, is Scott Peters still the most Jack Strong guy in the offensive line room even though he's not even active? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> dude, that guy's crazy. It's not even a question. Man, that, man, that honestly, if we were to pick coaches, I would pick him in the fight question. <laughs> but obviously, we pick, we're picking players. If we're picking coaches, I'm picking Coach Peters. So just have him be, he'll be like your Bobby the Brain, he and the manager, but then he'll get involved and help oh, yeah. put you guys over the top. There. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right. I've noticed as I'm sitting here talking, something I have a nose for, a diamond in your tooth. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever seen such a thing, Nick Harris. Give us the story behind the diamond in your in your right incisor. If I'm, I didn't go to dental school, but I think I have that right. It was just a little impulse impulse decision I did back home. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's what it. do the fellas think of it? I don't know. I don't know. I've gotten. A, oh, what is that in your? Oh, what the? Like you know, what I'm saying just a reaction when they see it. But you know, it's just you know the fellas always they they like to make fun every time they get to see something new. <laughs> <laughs> of course they do. They love that out there. All right. So you're getting ready here. We've got opening of training camp on Saturday to the fans. I know you guys have been in it for a while. What's it like to get the fans out here? What do you kind of think of the new digs, all the room, all the the stands that are going to be out here for uh, when the fans get out here on Saturday? Man, it's I'm I'm excited just to, for them to just to see the team. You know, 
Um, like, I, like I said, man, we got we got a lot of talent on this team, and just seeing how things have been progressing over OTAs and stuff, it, it'll be exciting for for the fans to be out here and just to experience it um, on the practice field and all these new tents and and bleachers and <laughs> I mean I feel like I'm at a movie set right now, <laughs> man. But you know it's gonna be good, man. I'm ex I'm excited. I'm really I really am. Anybody in the offensive line room wearing the uh, the T-shirt with Batonio and Teller on it, the NBA Jam style shirt? Have you seen that yet? Yeah, I have seen. I haven't, I haven't seen anybody wear it, but we might have to get Coach Callahan one so he can wear it. I think that would be good. Nick, it is always a pleasure. So excited for you, man, and what's lying ahead for you this season. And uh, I know, listen, I used to tell people all the time when I was in there, you were there was not a second that you weren't in that gym getting after it this off season. And so proud of you and, and happy for you for this opportunity. And I know you're going to crush it. I appreciate it. Thank you for real. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. The great Nick Harris will be back with more Cleveland Browns Daily right after this. Rumkey Waste and Recycling is a family-owned and operated company. Whether you join them as a customer or as an employee, you'll become a part of the family. Visit www.rumkey.com to learn more. Very happy to be joined now live on set field side here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus by Omar Ruiz, NFL Network reporter and host who's been in Cleveland all week covering the team. And don't forget this Saturday on NFL Network's Back Together Saturday show, which will air from 9 a.m. through 10 p.m. live reporters all around the country covering every team you'll be on that when that'll be the first day with the fans here as we really get things going and of course you can follow them on twitter at omar d ruiz omar great to see you man great to see you nathan it's great to be out in person and i gotta tell you cleveland the last few days has just dialed it up from a chamber of commerce right. standpoint here in berea you got the picture perfect cotton candy clouds with the blue sky football on the field the perfect green grass let us go let's go we got to roll out a little bit of you know california look maybe a little <laughs> of that for you roll out the red carpet for you here so what's it been like being here being around this team and we'll start with the elephant in the room obviously there is uncertainty as to the availability of quarterback deshaun watson to start this football season but it feels to me anyway like they're operating Business as usual. Do you feel that way? I do, and I've been in places, been in buildings where controversial things, pending outcomes have had a dark cloud over the entire organization, and it doesn't feel that way here. I think the way Stefanski has set everything up is that when they do find out how many games they might be without Deshaun Watson for, it'll be like an injury, yep. and they're just operating that way. Kind of an underlying sense that I'm getting here. There's a quiet confidence, and Nathan, you know I've been here over the years, different regime changes, sure. different reasons for hope and optimism and everything else with new personnel and all that. And I think this would be a similar story again if there wasn't the looming suspension uh, waiting to happen with Deshaun and Amari and the new look offense. But what I'd say about that is that's forced a little tempered enthusiasm because if, if it wasn't for that, this would be – a team that has the talent to talk about a Super Bowl run and all the expectations again that the Browns have turned it around the foundation has been laid and here we go Arizona February 2023 but because we're waiting for the suspension that hasn't happened so perhaps they'll fly under the radar a little bit they'll they'll we've talked about how good this defense can be and of sure. course Nick Chubb and everything else this is a team that has been built that I think can withstand a lengthy suspension to a superstar quarterback and remain in the hunt 
Time will tell, of course, but that's the sort of overlying theme that I've noticed being here a few days. Yeah, which is a good one. As on the field, the first seven-on-seven seven drill of Browns training camp started with a Deshaun Watson completion to Donovan Peoples-Jones. And on that one, looking for Nick Chubb over the middle of the field, and they were not able to connect there. You're right. This is a team that has a lot of talent. We mentioned the defense. We mentioned the running backs. But one of the things that it feels to me anyway seems to be inspiring this quiet confidence, and there are mixed opinions around the league about him, but the Browns, I know, are very happy to have Jacoby Brissett here, and it feels like they really do think he can run this offense for whatever period of time it would need to be. Yeah, Jacoby Brissett, I think, can be a great game manager, and especially, I don't know, I think when he first filled in for Andrew Luck in 2017 when Luck was dealing with that shoulder injury, the team in Indianapolis wasn't as good anymore yep. as, as the early part of Luck and, and what it's become more recently. And so, you know, he probably developed his reputation based off of that, and it's hard to shake those first impressions as a starter. But this will be the most talented team that he'll have led in his NFL career. And certainly the way he's able to lead, the way he's able to galvanize a locker room, the way he's able to manage a game offensively, I think bodes very well for this team. I think it was a great pick to bring him in as the backup. And then at the start of camp, Kevin Stefanski clarifying where he stands in the depth chart that he is the definitive backup and he'll start the games when and if Deshaun Watson gets suspended and Jacoby Brissett to have those reins here early in camp and, and whenever that might happen and they shift the amount of reps sure. for him to lead, I think all sets him up as best as possible for the most success he can have. Uh, you're right. Talk with Omar Ruiz from the NFL Network, who has been here and will be here through the weekend uh, here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus watching this Browns team. Has anything surprised you in your conversations with, with you know, whether it be with some of the coaches or, or really anybody in this organization as you sit here right now, only day three of camp, but anything that stood out to you? That, that they're, they're focused on just doing the work. Yep. You know, that there is no hype here. That there's no hype to be bought in. I don't think that I get a sense from any of the players or coaches that I've spoken with, even Andrew Barry, you know, when I, when I mentioned just how talented this roster is, and he says, you, you got to see it on the field. you gotta, you got to win games to, to justify all that talk. So no resting on their laurels for as successful as the offseason might have built, you know, no matter how much talent they appear to be. And, and I think just looking at the team physically, this is one of those all-bust teams. Yeah. You know, everybody's filled out. Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper, just, you know, physical specimens. And this could be a special group with as much talent as they have. And in talking with Andrew Barry, you know, he says it's not necessarily the most talented 53. It's the right 53. And I think that's another aspect of this team that, that they've all been talking about, what chemistry and the cohesion, vibe, sure. the camaraderie. Amari Cooper saying that trip to the Bahamas was way more – um, bonding experience than he expected it to be and and them to form those bonds so early and then develop it here in camp I think is something that that I don't think I expected to hear um, considering um, you know how much continuity they have from last year but you know as Stefanski says you know, winning cures all <laughs> and I think they hope to win a lot of games here this season yeah they certainly do talking with Omar Ruiz from the NFL Network and Omar you know we talked about one of the reasons to, for optimism is this defense and the continuity there you think about you know, four of your top five corners from a year ago are back, and you draft MJ Emerson. You're talking about all through your top three safeties, your top four linebackers, and then we get to the two that matter the most <laughs> Miles Garrett and Jadevian Clowney back again for the Cleveland Browns. What's kind of your sense on this defense, your read on this defense, and just, you know, what it can be for the Browns? Yeah, I, th I think it could be the best in the league. You know, when you have the continuity now, I think Joe Woods coming in 2020 laid the foundation 
put in his system. Then last year, the new personnel and, and counting on, you know, a rookie like Jeremiah Wosu-Koromoa to yep. play a lot and, and the expectation for him now in year two to make that next step. And, and really the entirety of the defense, having that continuity together, they keep speaking about and, you know, talking with Joe Woods, who, you know, was on the 49ers staff where that defense carried them to the Super Bowl. Right. John, John Johnson was on the 2020 Rams that was ranked number one in the league and got Brandon Staley a head coaching job. They know what an elite defense looks like here. I believe they are confident they have the pieces in place, but it's what John Johnson spoke about in his press availability yesterday, the consistency to get that every single week. And they'll need it, especially, you know, the games that Deshaun Watson may not play, but certainly if they can get that consistency, they can become that elite top ranked defense uh, if everything goes well and the injuries are on their side. And I think you made such a great point earlier that, you know, if you were here one year ago today coming off of that playoff run, there was so much hype around this team. There was so much excitement. This team going to the Super Bowl, a lot of talk of that. Mm -hmm. We know how last season went. There has been a complete overhaul at the quarterback position. The rest of the team, you know, when you, you bring in Amari Cooper, that helps. That was the number one goal, right? Mm -hmm. Over Overhaul the passing game. In comes Deshaun Watson. In comes Amari Cooper. And then defensively, it was get Clowney back. They accomplished that. But, you know, when you talk about a team with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the back, and Durance Johnson, for that <laughs> matter, who's darn good, you know, you have got the defense that's got Miles and Clowney and then Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom and John Johnson and Delpit and Owusu Koromo and on and on and on. It is interesting that this team is a bit under the radar, and it's, it's all because of that, obviously, yep. the uncertainty at quarterback. You don't yep. really know how to say what this team is, but uh -huh. – you wouldn't think a team with those names that we just kind of laid out would ever be under the radar in the NFL. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a healthy thing for this organization because if you think about in the last four years, coming off of 18, very hyped going into mm -hmm, 19, mm -hmm. didn't go well. And yeah. then in 20, it was kind of under the radar. And playoffs, 21, very hyped, didn't go well. So hopefully this year that, that bodes well for that trend. Well, going back to 18, you know, Baker Mayfield, number one overall pick, a lot yeah. of hope, a lot of optimism, certainly when he was thrust into the game against the Jets on Thursday night football, national TV comes back, wins the game, 19, the Odell trade, and what that might mean for this offense. So it seems like, and then in 2020, obviously the deep playoff run, every single year, the last handful of years, you know, there's been high expectations, a lot of hope and a lot of optimism. And, and because of you know, the way that Deshaun Watson uh, possible suspension has played out over the summer, because of that tempered enthusiasm we talked about, ultimately I think will be a good team a good thing for this team in, in flying under the radar and not having to worry about the hype and just focusing on the work, focusing on winning games and, and whether that might be ugly, you know, 16 to six type of games, you know, to start the season, so be it. But if they could just hang in there, which I think the team is good enough too, by the time Watson comes back, you know, look out in the second half of the season or whatever that might be. I have, I have, I have no indication on how long that might be. But Nobody does. Don't no worry. We're not holding yeah, anybody to anything. Whenever that might be. You know, look out for that Browns offense as well. Hopefully soon we'll get that information. Mm -hmm. You see why you're excited. Deshaun Watson, the seven-on-seven -seven drill, just drilled a deep dig to Jakeem Grant through heavy traffic and got the ball right in there. He's one of the most accurate passers in the National Football League. Let's talk for a second about this division because, you know, obviously the AFC West, it's easy to look at that and say, yeah, that's <laughs> the best division in football right now. You've got a loaded Chiefs team, a loaded Chargers team, a loaded Raiders team, and now Russell Wilson's in Denver, so a loaded Broncos team. But this AFC North, the Bengals just represented the AFC. The, the Steelers have never had a losing record under Tomlin, mm -hmm. although it's probably easy to say that maybe they're right now in that fourth yeah. slot. The Ravens are always good. They have the MVP at quarterback. They're healthy. This is a, a, a stout division as well. What do you make of just the AFC North picture in general? I was just thinking about that yesterday. As much as we talk about the AFC West, I, I remember thinking last year, 
about the NFC West, and they had yeah. this sort of similar blockbuster type of division that we're talking about the AFC West, and it didn't necessarily play out that way. You know, for whatever reason, of course, Russell Wilson gets hurt, so you just don't know how things are going to play out in the AFC West. But I think the way the AFC North teams are built – the Steelers' defense is another one that could be so good oh, yeah. that it might not matter if a rookie quarterback is playing or a reinvented Mitchell Trubisky. They might still be good enough. You mentioned Mike Tomlin, the way he leads and the way they win every single year. They might be good enough as a fourth team to be so competitive that they're threatening for a wild-card spot. And then you have the defending AFC champions in the division. We would only imagine them to be better given all sure. that experience. And we've talked about the Browns and, of course, the Ravens, I think, this is a comeback season for the Ravens, yeah. especially if Lamar is in a contract year. We see how guys perform in contract years if they don't get that done uh, before the season begins and, and how good that defense could be kind of rebounding from last year. So I think when it's all said and done, you don't know how things are going to play out in the AFC West. But at the end of the day, this might be the most competitive uh, talked about division, which it normally is. You're right. About uh, you know, year in and year out in the NFL. It's just nice that the Browns, I think, have the roster and, and the talent and the coaching to be in the conversation for the good part of the AFC North this year as we talk with Omar Ruiz. And, Omar, this is not Browns-related. It is NFL-related. Have you seen? Have you ever seen anything like the saga of the last few days with the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray? No, not even close. I mean, wild, that, that right? That is just wild, wild, wild. And I think the, the most wild thing to me is that, you know, Eric Burkhart, is the agent for Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. So, um, and then, you know, you have the owner who's who has let Steve Kime just direct, but he does insert himself. Sure. So there is just a triangle, if you will, at the head of that organization that is very invested, and I think they do a good job. The last, you know, 10 years since Michael Bidwell has been running the team, they've, they've won um, double-digit uh, they've had double-digit win seasons more than the history of the franchise before yeah. he sort of took over. So they've been very competitive. We had it with the Bruce Arians era, and they've been competitive, obviously, the last couple of years with Kyler and Cliff. Still haven't gotten over the hump, but the way it's all played out is just remarkable, fascinating, and will be one of those 30-for-30 30 30 or NFL Network of football life that we'll be looking back you know, 15 years from now and saying, what in the heck was that? Totally. And so here's here are the questions that I have. And these are these are more theoretical. These aren't questions necessarily for you. Yeah. But and we can maybe, you know, we'll think about them together is. Did Eric Burkhart ever tell Kyler Murray that that clause was in that contract? OK, that's theoretical question number one, because it feels like he did not know about it and that he was insulted by it and that it would have been easy to say, no, take this clause out or I'll go play somewhere else. There are plenty of people who will pay me because I'm good not to have that. Number two, theoretical, how did this become public? Because if you think about the parties involved in this contract, it does not behoove the Cardinals for this to become public at all because it would say, well, yeah, you're giving this guy 160 guaranteed, but yet you felt like he wasn't studying up to the level of a franchise quarterback. It certainly doesn't benefit Kyler Murray's camp for this to become public because it looks like he has not been doing the job of a, of a franchise quarterback, and they are going to now legislate that he must put in that studying time when we all know it's a lifestyle to play the most demanding position in all professional sports. Mm -hmm. So the only person I could think in my mind as a theoretical person is an agent that wants to someday represent Kyler Murray would somehow make this public because otherwise it makes no sense that this was even brought to light, and now it's already been backtracked and, and eliminated in a couple of days. And that, that theory makes sense because all the parties involved would not want that no. to be out. But 
those contracts do become public once they're approved and stamped by the CBA and, and NFLPA and everything. All agents have access to it. So that theory, that theory seems good. But I go back to a press conference that I was there for, and I forget if maybe they were going to play the Seahawks and, and Russell Wilson perhaps made some complimentary comments about Kyler Murray. And I asked Cliff Kingsbury about the, the praise that Russell Wilson um, was giving on, on Kyler. And, and Cliff responded in this way about, you know, I, he appreciates that somebody like Russell would say that because Russell is somebody who has fully invested his time year-round, 365 days a year, into being the franchise quarterback in both how he trains his body, how he studies film. And he just went in great depths about how Russell Wilson is the face of the franchise. And to me, that sent a message that right. he wants Kyler to Please be like this. that. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, perhaps, you know, the ownership kind of took hold of that. And if and if to me, if Cliff is saying that publicly, then I'm sure they've had conversations similar yes. in private. And perhaps, perhaps ownership felt that maybe that message is not getting through. And so I want that if I'm going to pony $160 million sure. up, I want this in the clause. And then going back to your point, the original question is how the heck does that go public? I think that's the million-dollar question. But late last night, they had it removed. With and, a statement? Yeah, with a statement. This isn't how it was intended. <laughs> it's just, oh, man. But going it, to your point, this is something we've never seen before, and I don't know if I've ever seen language of a contract taken out because of public backlash. And even almost it feels like player backlash. And you think about the Arizona Cardinals who have been, you know, desperate <laughs> for a franchise quarterback. They've had Kurt Warner, but he wasn't their homegrown, yeah. you know, guy. Uh -huh. And you go back to maybe even Jake Plummer briefly when they mm -hmm. had those great moments with Ian David Boston. But this was could have been a great, you know, seminal moment in the franchise. And it will always be somewhat marred by the way this went down. And to your point, there should be a 30 for 30 oh, down, yeah. the line about down the line about how did yeah, this happen. Sure. Because I think that it, it, it is it is fascinating. But this is one of those things where, you know, like Kevin Stefanski said earlier in talking about team building and camaraderie and everything, winning cures everything. Of course it does. So if they don't fold down the stretch like they've had the last few years, then, you know, we'll all be Kumbaya. laughing about that. And That's I guarantee right. you that Kyler in his press conferences later in oh. the year will be talking about, you know, yeah, I studied six hours for that game or whatever. He'll be having fun with it. We'll all joke about it. But if it doesn't or if, it, if history repeats itself, and they don't get to the playoffs or have the success that they're expected to this season, then that will linger over. And again, to your point, will kind of hang over the organization the way it has the last few days. Yeah, very interesting. And it was nice for a little bit to have a little controversy elsewhere in the <laughs> National Football League uh, as we get ready here for this Brown season. Again, this Saturday, NFL Network's Back Together Saturday show, which will air from 9 a.m. through 10 p.m. live. Reporters covering just about every single team around this country, including Omar Ruiz, our guest here, who will be bringing you the action from Berea here, the Cross Country Mortgage Campus and the Browns. Omar, thanks so much for the time, man. Always a pleasure. Thank Thanks for having me, Nathan. Always good to see you, and I'm glad we're back together here. And yes. We'll be nice. back together Saturday tomorrow. It's a real treat indeed. We'll be back so much more to come as we wrap this edition up of Cleveland Browns Daily on a Friday, live from the practice fields at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus.
Wow. We are wrapping it up here. We got the first seven-on-seven seven of training camp earlier. Definitely some Deshaun Watson to Donovan Peoples-Jones. That's been a theme in the early going. Also a nice ball to Jakeem Grant. Uh, yeah, that was a dime on the backside dig there. You love to see that. The defense had some moments getting their hands on some balls as well. Thought Jacoby Brissett orchestrated the offense nicely also, so that was good to see. Big thanks to Gibbe. What a week here. Thanks to Kevin Stefanski for joining us on set. Omar Ruiz, Nick Harris as well. Uh, a loaded show. And remember, tomorrow, the debut of Browns Live Training Camp. That'll happen tomorrow at 2.30 for you when we get things going right here from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Bria with our fans. As the great Jim Donovan once said, the only thing missing is all of you. That will not be true tomorrow. You will be here for Browns Training Camp. Stay tuned to the next level. It is next on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.